Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the World Soccer Talk podcast. My name is Christopher Harris. I'm joined by my co-host, Kartik Krishnaya. For those listeners tuning in for the first time, this is a weekly podcast that goes into a lot of detail about uh, watching soccer from around the world. Oftentimes we talk about uh, some of the big stories, but also the uh, TV production, which games we like to watch the most, uh, as well as a lot of news for uh, those diehard soccer fans such as ourselves and such as you. So Kartik, let's start first of all with our feature topic, which is talking about Harry Kane, who completed his transfer last weekend uh, to Bayern Munich in a $110 million deal. Um, this is huge. This is really huge. And this, I think, Kartik, this, I think this can have an impact on the Bundesliga. Uh, to, to date, the Bundesliga has done decently well, definitely, uh, during its time on Fox, as well as other broadcasters before that, and, and now on ESPN+, Plus, where it's built up a kind of a really hardcore audience. Um, just for example, uh, I think back in April for the Classica between Bayern Munich and uh, Borussia Dortmund, that viewing audience on ABC was about 625,000 people. So actually big numbers for a big game uh, featuring a big league, uh, the second strongest league in the world. I think this can make a difference. We'll, we'll, we'll get into some of the details in a minute. But what do you what do you think, Kartik? Do you think Harry Kane can make a difference in the, the number of people watching the Bundesliga in the United States? Yeah. In fact, I think he makes a bigger difference than any U.S. men's national team star uh, does for the Bundesliga in the U.S. market because he's a more recognizable figure, believe it or not, than any U.S. men's national league team player. Uh, we spent much of the last... Uh, 48 hours or 72 hours debating where Tyler Adams should land, who formerly played in the Bundesliga, of course, uh, for Leipzig. Uh, and Adams, Pulisic, he played in the Bundesliga also. Any number of other guys, Josh Sargent, I don't think they're as known to the average American casual sports fan as Harry Kane. Then I think you have a hardcore Premier League audience that is more connected to Kane than maybe any other player currently. I think he's the most omnipresent Premier League player of what we would call the NBC era uh, on uh, broadcasting the Premier League. I mean, I think this uh, NBC, they did a great job this past weekend, but I think that there has to be some uh, concern, maybe slight concern about 
uh, the guy, one of the guys they've really built their coverage around, maybe the most consistent person they built their coverage around outside of managers, right, outside of the Klops and the Peps and the Contes uh, and the Peps, uh, oh, sorry, and the po- po- Pochettinos uh, leaving the league. So uh, I think that that's an opportunity. I look at the numbers, right? You mentioned 600,000 viewers for Derek Klassiker on, NB- on ABC uh, toward the end of last season, a-, a match that ended up being decisive in the title race, which was decided by goal difference, right, between Dortmund and uh, and Bayern, uh, Bayern winning on goal difference. And I look at uh, those numbers, and I look at Premier League numbers, and I also look currently at Women's World Cup numbers, right, which are which have been very good, even after the U.S. Uh, uh, exited the tournament. We've had some impressive uh, 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 numbers on Fox and on Telemundo, there is an opportunity for the Bundesliga to take those people who are hardcore soccer fans who are either watching the Premier League or, or getting up at uh, ridiculous hours of the morning to watch the Women's World Cup and move them towards the Bundesliga. Now, this is kind of an either-or thing, Chris, because uh, unlike La Liga and MLS and Serie A that, 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 that play at all kinds of different times, uh, and you can watch the Premier League and you can watch uh, um, those leagues, it's tough. Uh, I've balanced it for many years, but it's still tough. Uh, the Premier League and the Bundesliga have virtually identical kickoff times uh, for the U.S. audience. So that's still the ultimate channel challenge for the Bundesliga. If I'm ESPN, I'm going to town on this. I'm promoting the heck out of Harry Kane being in the Bundesliga. I feel like this is in year. Uh, this is now year. Uh, uh, four of their contract with the Bundesliga, I'm feeling this is a new lease on life uh, for year four of a six-year deal, that they've got Kane uh, and they've got the biggest star they've had since they got the contract. Uh, so far, I don't see any signs of, uh, of this uh, sort of marketing effort I would, uh, I would hope for, but uh, it's early days yet. Yeah, I, in the background, I can already hear the uh, the emails being written and the tweets being uh, tweeted uh, to us because Kartik, with you saying about um, that, you think that Harry Kane can will basically make more of a difference than Christian Pulisic when he was at the Bundesliga with uh, Dortmund. Well, the reality is is that back then Christian Pulisic was playing for Dortmund when Fox Sports had the rights, and we did a podcast. I don't know if you remember with uh, Jonathan Tan- Tannenwald from the Philadelphia Inquirer. And he asked us towards the end of that conversation that we had, the three of us, he said, Chris and Kartik, what do you think? Do you think Pulisic will be able to generate some massive numbers for the Bundesliga? And I can't remember what your answer was, but I think mine was a little bit. And and I think I might've talked about how Fox's coverage probably would hold it back a little bit. But but the reality is definitely, I I agree with you, Kartik, is that... um, Harry Kane can make more of a difference. And partly because, I mean, yes, you're right. He's taken all the Premier League fans. So all the Premier League fans uh, are fans of Premier League clubs will know about uh, Harry Kane now playing in the Bundesliga. Then you've got all the expats, I mean, kind of uh, from, I mean, all around Europe, but also the UK and Germany living in the United States. And then you've got the average soccer fans who know how good Harry Kane is. I mean, to you and I, Kartik, um, for the last 10 years, to me, he's he's the best English Premier League, oh, English, yes, uh, Premier League uh, striker or player in, in that league. So this makes a big difference. And one other thing with this, too, is that with uh, with World Soccer Talk, the website, 
a lot of our content is focused around TV schedules and information about how to watch the games. So we can see firsthand how much of a difference uh, Hurricane makes, makes, if any. And from this past weekend, I mean, what we saw was with the German Super Cup between Bayern Munich and RB Leipzig is it did have a big impact in terms of the number of people coming coming and trying to find out more information about how to watch the game, what channel was showing it, what time was it going to be on. Far more than, than probably far more than uh, De Classica, far more than, than usual, at least for the Bundesliga. So, so those are all positive signs. But it does go back to your big question, Kartik, which is ESPN, are they going to be able to, are they going to be willing to do it? But from a marketing perspective, what are they going to do to make a difference to get to capitalize on this? This, this is a huge moment in the history of the Bundesliga. This is the biggest Bundesliga transfer of all time. This is arguably the, I mean, the number one English uh, player from the Premier League in the last 10 years. What is ESPN going to do to take advantage of this, to try to grow that audience uh, now that that, that German Super Cup, is, uh, Cup game is done? What are they going to do next? Yeah, that's the big question for me. I, in fact, I, I would argue you could that he might be the best Premier League player, period, of the last 10 years. I mean, I think there's some other candidates of players who have been in the league a long time, like Kevin De Bruyne, who's now injured, by the way. Uh, and uh, Mo Salah has been in the league, uh, uh, well, for six years now, but then before with Chelsea also. But uh, at least a player who's continuously been in the Premier League, I think he was the best player. So uh, that gives ESPN an opportunity right? They have constantly been in this position with the Bundesliga, trying to market the ambiance, trying to market the culture, which I think is really special, right? German culture, German football culture, and German culture in itself is very unique. And it is the supporters game in Germany. You could say in England and places like that, the oligarchs have taken over, the big, big money has taken over. That's not the case in Germany. So they've had these different angles to, to market with 50 plus one, with some of the players that might be recognizable uh, to some of the audiences. But the, the reality is this, right? Um, Germany has been poor in the last couple international tournaments. Um, the, the Bundesliga has developed a lot of good players for other countries. Switzerland has been actually good. Has, they've actually advanced further. This is an unbelievable statistic, Chris. Switzerland has advanced further in the last three international men's tournaments than Germany has. Actually, they advanced further in the most recent women's tournament, too. Um, And most of those Swiss players were uh, reared in the Bundesliga. But they've all been sold on. Most of them end up getting sold on to the Premier League or La Liga uh, or wherever. Um, So there's been a difficulty in marketing players. Lewandowski didn't quite have. He would probably would have been the closest thing. Uh, to a superstar, he didn't have that cachet. Uh, Jude Bellingham is fantastic, but wasn't as familiar to audiences because he was young and he had come directly from the championship, right? He had never played in the Premier League. Uh, so this is a unique opportunity, I, I think, in actually the Fox slash ESPN era, since um, uh, Bundesliga has been off of Goal TV. Uh, the Bundesliga, I'm also going to say this. Um, we're talking about who's the next guy to go to Saudi Arabia. Who's the next guy Chelsea will sign? Who's the next guy Real Madrid's going to tap up? How many guys are going to leave Serie A and La Liga to go to the Premier League, right? There's a constant flow of players in these conversations. For the Bundesliga, Harry Kane is a one-off. Bayern will never spend this much money on a player again. 
uh, and no Bundesliga club will spend this much money on a player again. It's a one-off. So it's kind of like Messi to MLS in that sense. They have to make the most of it. And if they don't, well, maybe the Bundesliga should be looking for another partner in the U.S. I hate to say that because I'm, you know, we're big fans of what ESPN does, but I think uh, this is one of those moments they've got to really put up. Yeah, to me, Kartik, the Bundesliga is the hardcore of the hardcore soccer fans. And, and what I mean by that is, I mean, the slogan that they have is football as it's, as it's meant to be. And that's true because, you mean, it, the supporters fan base, um, I mean, kind of the supporter owned clubs or the, the involvement of supporters uh, owning, owning parts of those clubs and the football on display, I mean, how modern the stadiums are, uh, so on and so forth. The whole experience of going to, to a game, watching the game. And the thing that's held it back over the last 10 to 15 years since the Bundesliga has made a big effort in the United, the United States to promote it and, and to push it big time, uh, it didn't quite reach what it was supposed to be in their eyes. I mean, they had an office. The Bundesliga had an office in, in New York. They've closed that down. They had a whole team of people. They closed that down. So all the operations are now out, out of Germany. But I think the thing that was holding it back was Bayern Munich <laughs> because they kept on winning the title every year. It was kind of a running joke. Okay, oh gosh, here we go. No matter how good German soccer is, Bayern always win. And that's the thing right now. I would say actually Bayern Munich, even even with Harry Kane, are in a very troublesome position. They 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 don't look good. Defensively, they looked really weak in the German Super Cup. And, and I'm sure they'll get more players or they'll get probably a, a better goalkeeper perhaps or they'll, they'll build the strength of this team. But they're going to have a difficult season this season, even with Harry Kane. Harry Kane will make a big difference, but this is a Bayern Munich that is susceptible to other teams. And we saw how good RB Leipzig was. Uh, we've seen Dortmund can be good. Defensively, they still always always have holes. Uh, we've seen Cologne. We've seen, I mean, Freiburg. We've seen lots of different teams. Uh, FC Union Berlin. That really have done a really good job of kind of really closing the gap. And that gap's getting narrower, but it still has not been circumvented. So I really do hope that this season, that uh, even with Harry Kane with, on Bayern Munich, is we have a title race again, just like we did last season, because um, that was one of the most exciting title races of the European calendar last season, coming down to the final seconds of the game. I mean, that reminded me of you know, Man City winning it against QPR on the final day with that Aguero goal. It was that exciting. So all the things that are in place are in place for ESPN to make this a hit, to really grow that audience. They've got all the ingredients they could possibly want. Now the big thing is, okay, what is ESPN going to do? And I think, Kartik, I think part of this too is like ESPN may say, okay, they, they, would, they would probably say, hey, Chris and Kartik and, and listeners, look at this weekend, for example. The Bundesliga is having a game on ABC. It's the, the Borussia Dortmund against Cologne game on Saturday. That's on ABC, ESPN Deportes, and ESPN+. Plus. That's big news. The other big news, which we broke a couple of weeks ago, is that ESPN+, Plus is going to have a Bundesliga whip-around show. And that's going to be on Saturdays in that 9.30 to 11.30 a.m. Eastern time block. But going back to what you said, Kartik, the biggest struggle for the Bundesliga is the Premier League. And and you and I are hardcore fans, and, and I think we would agree that the Bundesliga is the hardcore of the hardcore. And 
probably in many ways we have a lot of allegiances to watching the Bundesliga because we know it's one of the best. But the Premier League is so big, so popular, has so many of the stars, is so so much part of the uh, water cooler conversation that it always pulls us back in because there's so many crazy, incredible storylines, whether it's Luton Town going up or, or if it's VAR decisions going bad or you mean, all the different things, all the kind of really takes up so much of the soccer world. It, it's almost hard. It's almost impossible to to ignore that because it is so captivating. Just at the same time that the, the Bundesliga is captivating, but we can't watch every single game, even with the whip around show, when they play at the same time. And then Germany's so stubborn, they will never change the way that they have it. So, Kartik, what do you think? What, what what more can ESPN do than than what they're doing already by having this whip around show by putting a game on ABC? What more would you like to see them do? So, in terms of the Premier League's popularity, I think part of it has to do with the managers, right? They've now had Pep and Klopp there for a long period of time, although both came from the Bundesliga, right? Um, that's another thing to uh, to consider. But but they weren't marketed in the same way when they were in the Bundesliga. And, and uh, Poch is back, which I'm really excited about. People who follow me know how um, how thrilled I am about that. I, I, I just feel like uh, uh, I don't want to get too deep into it, but PSG was the wrong club for him. Uh, and uh, he's back where he belongs, uh, coaching young players, molding a team uh, the way well, very few people can do uh, at his level. Right. He's one of the best. And uh, and obviously you, you still have some other high, high profile managers uh, in the Premier League. So ESPN needs to start marketing the managers more. Uh, there is um, Tuchel being back uh, in the Bundesliga. Tuchel is as colorful, controversial and um, and. Uh, I'm looking for the right word here, but he, he gives the best interviews, right? You can sit, and our, our friend Danny Higginbottom, who uh, who works for MLS Season Pass and, and has done uh, Premier League games uh, for NBC and, and, of course, played in the Premier League, uh, he said that about Tuchel, right? You could just listen to the guy for – uh, if you if you're a tactical nerd like I am, or you love football, uh, you could just listen to Tuchel with your eyes closed for 10, 15 minutes, talk about the game. Uh, ESPN's got to take advantage of that. I even noticed uh, uh, Tuchel is 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 uh, ever present in the Kane introduction video that Bayern released because he's got a personality. He's a large personality, which is something Bayern doesn't always have as a coach. Right? Bayern likes to have coaches that are kind of a little more. Uh, submissive to the board, but uh, this is a unique opportunity also having Tuchel there. I think, uh, secondly, there is so much about Dortmund uh, that is uh, that is interesting and that is cool uh, that uh, American audiences don't necessarily know and haven't been educated about. Um, in terms of Leipzig, uh, so we're taking the top three teams here because I think maybe you have to build from that that, that perspective. Leipzig, throw, forget all the talk about Austrian soft drink company coming in, right? That's it. In Germany, they take that very uh, personally. In the U.S., we're used to that. We have Red Bull owns a team here uh, in MLS. No one thinks uh, twice about it. Uh, so that's not as controversial to an American audience as it would be uh, as it is in Germany. And Leipzig itself is a town that never had a first division club in the Bundesliga. It is a former East German city, and it is... Uh, Incredible to see the investment by Red Bull in that city and, 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 and the energy and enthusiasm that club has generated. These are the sorts of stories ESPN needs to be telling. And you know what? I thought they were going to tell them when they got the Bundesliga. Remember, right off the bat, we had a great uh, Sports Center feature 
on Gio Reyna, that's the American angle, and Holland was interviewed in it and called him the American dream, and then they did a couple pieces on the culture of the Bundesliga, the, the Hamburg derby, right, uh, Hamburg versus San Pauli. Uh, this was all in, like, the first two or three months they had the rights, and stuff on E60, stuff on SportsCenter, and then, boom, whimper, nothing. And we're now four years into the fourth year of the deal, and uh, it, it's just almost like they've mailed it in, and uh, um, they're doing the bare minimum. So uh, there's a lot. Those are some suggestions right there, what I just said. But uh, they could do a lot more. Player features, they're interesting players in the Bundesliga. They're interesting managers. They can build up um, the uh, the profile of those, uh, those people. And start with Tuchel, because uh, those of you who didn't know Tuchel, I followed Tuchel when he was at Dortmund. So... And at Mainz, so I knew him well because I followed the Bundesliga. But for fans of PSG and then the Premier League, they didn't know what an interesting character he was until he went to Liga and he went to the Premier League. You've got to take advantage of him being back in the Bundesliga because, quite frankly, given Bayern's track record of firing managers, we don't know how long he'll be there. So if you're ESPN, take advantage of it now. So personally, I don't think it's uh, ESPN mailing it in, but they definitely, I think, have taken the foot off the pedal and it just seems to be kind of they're in auto drive, right, or cruise control, whether showing all the games on ESPN Plus and giving it some coverage here and there. Um, the one area I would say that they've uh, improved upon a lot, and I really enjoy it, is uh, Archie Rin Tut and his whether it's pre-match or halftime or post-match interviews um, with the managers or players, and he he's fantastic on camera as far as what he's talking about and. It really pulls you in as a viewer. But Kartik, I have a question for you. Who is the face of the Bundesliga in the US? Basically in terms of TV coverage, streaming coverage, streaming coverage really. Who is the face of the Bundesliga? It's either Derek Ray or Archie Rintut. I think it might be Archie Rintut uh, now that you, uh, you mentioned him. I mean, I was thinking it was one or the other, but I, I think you may have just made the case why it's him more than Derek Ray at this point. Uh, but it's it's one of those two in terms of commentators. So I, I think Archie Rinta is fantastic. He's one of the best uh, sideline reporters. I've never been a big fan of sideline reporters because they add so little value. However, I would say that Katie Witham um, on MLS Season Pass has been fantastic for these messy games. Archie Rinta has been incredible for the Bundesliga. But... I still don't think that Archie is the face of the Bundesliga in the U.S. I would say it's Derek, but Derek's calling a lot of the games. He's a commentator. Oftentimes, he's behind the scenes. You hear his voice. So, I mean, so recognizable. Uh, so I think that's, that's part of what ESPN needs to figure out is that's part of what they're missing. Who's the face of the Premier League? It's Rebecca Lowe. Who's the face of MLS Season Pass? I would say it's Taylor Twelman. Uh, who's the face of La Liga? It's probably Ian Dark, you, you could say, who, who again is a commentator. But when I, when I think about the Bundesliga's coverage on ESPN in the US, who is the German expert? You mean, you mean who is in that studio in Bristol, Connecticut? Who is the expert on the Bundesliga? And oftentimes, right, Kartik, it would be probably Stuart Robson or Don Hutchinson. He yeah, so it was remote. it was Don Hutchison, uh, and, and I think Hutchison now is more uh, focused on Serie A because what what happened is when ESPN lost their Serie A rights, the people who covered Serie A disappeared from the channel. So 
Hutchison on ESPN FC seems to be much more focused on giving some sort of Serie A angle uh, and, and talking about Serie A because, I mean, he can do Bundesliga too, which he used to do, as we talked about. But he did the Bundesliga back in the day when they when Fox still had the Bundesliga rights. So it feels like Don is the guy that uh, can fill in in a league they don't have the rights to. Yeah, so I think Robbo, I think uh, Stuart Robson certainly adds that. Uh, and again, uh, Jan Arda-Fjord, who um, also knows the Premier League very well, played uh, uh, had, had uh, uh, several seasons he played in in, uh, in England. I think they, they lean on him for Bundesliga yeah. expertise as well. But uh, none of these, uh, none of them have necessarily the high, high profile associated with the league directly. Because all three of those guys I mentioned, they're still on there to talk about other things. And Hutchison, as I said, uh, the last few years has veered towards more Serie A and obviously the Premier League. We know he he works for Premier League Productions. Even you know he's on Goal Zone, uh, not Goal Zone, whatever that uh, uh, that program is that they uh, Goal Rush uh, every week. Yeah, so um, yeah, they don't have anyone really directly identified with the product other than the two names we mentioned. Yeah, and uh, definitely our friends uh, of I mean, listeners to the show also Kay Murray. Kay often in the studio giving, you know, uh, as a presenter, uh, you, mean, you might have uh, Craig Burley there, you might have Steve Nichol, you, mean, you might have a couple of different people presenting the Bundesliga, but then Kay's also doing many, many other things too. She might be doing La Liga, uh, kind of sharing the, sharing the seat with Dan Thomas, who might be doing uh, other, other big games that weekend. But I, I think at the end of the day, that's what we're missing with ESPN, to me at least, is that investment where they say, you know what, uh, CBS Sports has done it. They've taken the, their crew and put them on the road and, and we put them at the stadium pitch side. NBC's done that for years now. Is I would like to see, and, and Serie A, they've done it with Serie A, CBS has done that with Serie A. I would like to see ESPN make an effort like that. I mean, if Kay's going to be the presenter and the expert on, on the Bundesliga, is she the face of the Bundesliga? Or is there a, a German-American or a German that speaks really good English um, that's going to be that face, that's going to be that uh, someone that's really, really captivating? We want to listen to that person. You want to learn more about what uh, about the league through his or her words. I'm not seeing that. I'm not seeing that at all. And I think that's a big difference. And, and that's, to me... Um, that's what they should be doing with this. Is taking advantage of this Harry Kane situation and say, "Hey, you know what? You know what? These these rights are going to be up pretty soon." And like you said, Kartik, if they continue, if they do mail it in with, with an opportunity like this, Apple, which we've reported on, that Apple has been in talks with the Bundesliga, um, that Apple would would love to get those rights if it's a good if it's a deal that they that fits what they're looking for, which oftentimes is a global deal. But yeah, I think this is a huge opportunity. At the end of the day, Kartik, I, what I think needs to happen is there needs to be a clone of Derek Ray. <laughs> and Derek can be on both sides of the Atlantic, right? He's calling the games. He's in Germany. You, If you follow him, he, him and Archie get so much into the German culture. And it, it's educational. It, it's fun. It's informative. They do some great social media. Um, but we, we need to see a clone of him or someone like that, Rafa Honigstein or somebody... Uh, move to the U.S. and be that face and name and really, really try to do a slam dunk. I'll say one more thing, Kartik, on this one, is out of all the leagues, it's interesting 
So if the Premier League, if it's a big game in the Premier League, Chelsea, Liverpool, and there's a goal, right? Within a few minutes, sometimes within about 20 minutes, sometimes there's a little, little bit of a delay on purpose. But NBC Sports uh, Soccer Twitter account will, will tweet out that uh, goal. Uh, same thing, well, MLS, it's usually within like a minute after a goal is scored, Messi scores a hat-trick. Within, within a minute, you, you'll get that clip on, um, on Twitter, so on and so forth through all the different leagues and competitions. The Bundesliga, nothing. So the Bundesliga channel doesn't on, on their Twitter account does not post the videos, uh, goal highlights. Uh, neither does ESPN FC, who has the rights to the to the German league. They're not posting anything there. Neither does uh, ESPN Plus. They're not posting anything there. So if something incredible does happen, Harry Kane scores an amazing goal on social media. For the most part, it's going to be silent. You, you might see some uh, bootleg uh, clips, video clips sh uh, shared. That might be taken down within minutes because they're not the official actual clips. But I think that's that's something that needs to change. And ESPN needs to talk to the Bundesliga and say, hey, we want to promote this too. We want to grow that audience. But whatever's happening right now, whatever the reason is for them not posting those clips, it, it's short-selling the league because you're not able to actually get that social media explosion that you did even when you see Messi score, I mean Harry Kane is a is one is a world class player. He should be those goals should be all over social media if he scores a big goal in a big game that, that that's meaningful. Yeah, so um, we'll uh, see if they make any tweaks to this because here's another frustration: they do cut the highlights, they do put them out, but Serie A does it quicker, La Liga does it quicker. So last season. Um, I can't watch every game. Where are those Bundesliga clips, though? Because I, I, I can never find them. I guess I find them on Google eventually. But that there you go. Okay, see, I think you just said it. Really. I, I said, okay, I watch all three, and they do cut the highlights. But I will get on my YouTube, and it knows the algorithm for me. So I get on my YouTube, let's say, uh, uh, 3 o'clock on, on a Saturday, Eastern time. I've got whatever Serie A game matches have taken place, they were the first things in my queue. Not because I put them in my queue, but because um, Serie A has already cut the highlights, and uh, YouTube knows Cardiff wants to watch Serie A highlights. So, I'm there, right? And it's the extended clips. They know I want the extended highlights. The Bundesliga stuff will show up like a day or two later. So, I said they eventually do get them out, but I see the Serie A stuff first. I see the uh, La Liga stuff first, a uh, second, and then... Um, Maybe I watch the Bundesliga stuff. Maybe I don't. Now, granted, I'm watching more Bundesliga live than I am La Liga. Uh, Serie A, I watch maybe about equal amount live to, to Bundesliga. But I'm seeing Bundesliga. I'm seeing Serie A clips first. And they've got Harry Kane in the league now. They can't do that. Um, the other thing is on Twitter, the Bundesliga itself is a lot more uh, I, I conservative is the wrong term. But it's the only thing I can think of. They are a lot more reserved in how they put things out. Now, the Premier League is too, but the Premier League has, has just this huge media machine covering it around the world. Um, I notice uh, clubs from Serie A and from La Liga are much more aggressive uh, in putting things out. Uh, actually, I should say from La Liga in particular uh, than Serie A. There are some uh, clubs that do well. From the Bundesliga. I would single out Eintracht Frankfurt. They do a particularly good job on Twitter. They do a pretty particularly good job 
with their communication with English language media in the United States uh, and people like you and me. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I just think, yeah, Wolf, Wolf Sports very good too, right? Yeah. Um, but I think that there are these huge holes. And um, I thought this was all going to get tidied up with them being with ESPN. You know, in hindsight, maybe we're, we're very critical of Fox on this show. We're very critical of Fox on this site. I had blamed Fox for a lot of things that I now see uh, are actually Bundesliga problems and not Fox. We're not Fox problems in hindsight. Yeah, but out of all of the different leagues out there, I would say the Bundesliga historically in the last 10 years of us covering, I mean, all the European leagues as closely as we do, the Bundesliga has been the best one at outreach, kind of reaching out to us, uh, I mean, inviting us to go to Germany to, to see the games in person, uh, in terms of interviews, in terms of um, videos, so those types of things from from a PR perspective, from from a uh, journalistic uh, perspective, they they've done better than probably all the other leagues combined uh, in terms of what they're doing to try to promote the league. So I don't think I don't know. There, there, there's probably something in between. Well, actually, I, I think part of the issue, Kartik, is honestly is La Liga. I, I think if ESPN Plus or ESPN had not acquired the rights to La Liga and they had gone elsewhere or stayed with being sports, I think it'd be a different story because what's happening is that La Liga is maximizing so much of the coverage on the ESPN FC, the Daily Show, as well as on social media. You mean all of the investment that they've put in, number of talent, sending people to, uh, to Camp Nou to call games from the stadium having a studio outside in the parking lot outside the stadium they've gone there a few times but to me i don't see that much of a difference with la liga's uh popularity in the united states if anything it's dipped down or it's plateaued so to me at what point does espn say there's nothing more that we can do to try to manufacture an audience for la liga because it's not working maybe we should concentrate on the bundesliga I would think we might be at that point, right? Messi is not uh, in the in the in La Liga anymore. Ronaldo is not there. Neymar is not going back. Mbappe is not going there this year. Uh, and uh, Mbappe signing another contract extension with that PSG is is bizarre. Uh, perhaps he doesn't really want to play for Real Madrid uh, because this is now three times we've been on the brink and he hasn't gone. So these are all factors, I think, in La Liga. The timing being. It would have been fantastic if they'd been on ESPN uh, six, seven years ago, but they were stuck on BN. And uh, that was an era when I think uh, La Liga, by the way, was clearly the number one league in the world. And in the U.S., uh, it fell further and further behind because of who their television partner was. Uh, And now you've got Harry Kane in the Bundesliga. I think you have a Bayern side that, in my opinion, in Europe will be more competitive this year than Real Madrid and Barcelona, Real Madrid without Benzema, and having not gotten Mbappe, uh, and, and an aging midfield, although obviously Chouameni, uh, Kamavinga, and Bellingham played in, in the game against uh, uh, Bilbao the other day against Athletic. But uh, I, I still think they're going to be a work in progress. I think Dortmund are going to be fairly good in Champions League. Uh, and I think Leipzig could be good in Champions League. I think Leipzig ended last season as the best team in Germany, even though they finished third. Uh, they were way behind, and, and they closed the gap late in the year. And then they've started this year beating Bayern 3-0. So there's a lot to market, but they are not going to move off of La Liga because, Chris, you and I know this well, they paid a substantial amount to secure the rights over a long period, right? Eight-year deal. Uh, 
which uh, the Bundesliga they have they have a long term deal. Right, this is year four of six, as I've said. Um, but they um, they did not pay nearly uh, the dollar amount. I mean, in fact, I think the Bundesliga was really a, a undervalued asset when you consider even that your classical audience you you cited. And, and uh, uh, we've heard that there's been you know they don't release numbers, but we've heard through our various sources that there've been pretty good streaming um, numbers for some of the higher profile Bundesliga matches that have been exclusively on ESPN plus. So um, I, I, I would think they would look at all this data and, uh, and maybe uh, pivot now that Kane's there, uh, but we see no sign of it uh, at this point, right? We don't see any sign of it. Uh, however many days after Kane, what is it now? Uh, as we record this, like five days after Kane signed at Bayern uh, and uh La Liga season started, a lot of hype on ESPN, building it up. That's great. You know, was glad to see uh, uh, Ian Dark and Macca calling the, uh, the the Bill Bow match the other night. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, I think you're right. La Liga is what – La Liga is why, because I – just to summarize, I said ESPN came out like gangbusters the first three or four months. Gio Reyna, Erling Holland, uh, uh, FC San Pauli feature. You know, all this cool stuff they did. Um in uh, the first few months, uh, the intervening event that I forgot about, Chris, and you pointed it out, was they then acquired the Bundesliga rights. That was toward the end of the first season. Uh, excuse me, the La Liga rights. That was toward the end of the first season they were covering the Bundesliga, and their priorities shifted as a result. We will be watching, absolutely. Uh, the Bundesliga season starts this Friday on ESPN Plus with the game against uh, Werder Bremen, against Bayern Munich, and uh, and then, of course, on, on Saturday, like we mentioned, the Whip Around show, which I'm really looking forward to. That's going to be called Goal Arena, and uh, that will be just really, really interesting to watch. And then, of course, then uh, at uh, 12.30 Eastern time on Saturday is the game between... Um, uh, Borussia Dortmund and, and Cologne, and that one's live on ABC, ESPN Plus, and uh, ESPN Deportes. All right, let's move on to listener mailbag. First up is Glenn. Glenn says uh, Premier League time slots are 2.5 hours apart, so there won't be any overlap issues. It just means uh, less time for NBC's pundits to expound between games. Not a big loss, he says. And I, th- I think that's a good point, Glenn, because about um, the overlap is maybe we exaggerate. Well, we didn't, not on purpose, but maybe we, there was a bit of exaggeration where we thought it'd be a big issue. Um, there will be games on USA Network more so this weekend. So maybe we'll see whether or not those lengthy delays, added time makes an issue. But maybe it's not going to be as bad as what we th- first thought. Next up, uh, to talk about ratings and uh Talking about uh, Apple and MLS Season Pass and and other uh, leagues and broadcasters and uh, I mean, are TV ratings a big deal anymore? And if you're not watching full games, can you consider yourself a soccer fan? Well, Mercator says businesses go through cycles. Apple and MLS uh, are in growth mode. They aren't going to be making cash anytime soon. They are burning cash to get interest and growth. And that is global impressions. The current TV operators and many current leagues are in milking mode. Uh, They have scale. They have dominance. Now they overcharge you. And so their focus is on profit and losses, not impressions. MLS owners uh, worrying about subscribers uh, would be like the NFL owners worrying about ticket sales. 
It's a proxy for interest. But the real money is not made on tickets or TV revenue. It's made in the club going up in value. No one is interested in a business that kicks off $5 million a year, buy a car dealership if you're good with that. MLS owners are in a, are in a different league. They want their $50 million club to be a $5 billion club. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Kartik, that's an excellent point about, about valuations of clubs. And that's something we really haven't dived into uh, a lot on this podcast in the past. Um, but it is one of those things that, for example, I mean, with, with MLS being a single entity, and if the valuations of these clubs do go up, you mean, so now we're talking about like what we're up to 30 teams, or 2019 is in the league, 30 will be San Diego. Of course, there's talk, talks about uh, Las Vegas possibly is 31. But how much would Las Vegas have to pay to actually get into MLS? And with Messi now in the league, that valuation would be higher. So San Diego paid roughly $500 million. So maybe the valuation for Las Vegas could be, say, I don't know, $700 million, maybe even higher. And all that money goes into the league and back to those single, the owners uh, who have a share in Major League Soccer as being part, I mean, part of that single entity. So maybe at the end of the day, Kartik, having Apple... And Tim Cook um, retweeting uh, Jorge Mas's comment about how great uh, MLS season pass is going and how they've been able to double uh, the number of subscribers uh, since Messi has joined the league uh, without mentioning you know, what that number is. And, and then met, uh, Jorge Mas talking about how um, I think more than 50% of the subscribers watching um uh, Messi games are uh, Spanish language uh, broadcasts of those games. Maybe it doesn't matter if all that money is coming into MLS with those valuations and and, and with the uh, expansion. Maybe Mercator's right. Yeah, uh, that's that's possible, right? I, I think um, the attendance and concession revenue, parking revenue, all this stuff that 
uh, factors into particularly MLS game day revenue because MLS with the with the lack of a huge media rights deal. Uh, I know we're talking about Apple over and over again, but it's not it's not in the dollar amount anywhere near some of the other media rights deals. They need that income to sustain themselves. But the point uh, Mercator is making, I think, is fantastic. Many of these people are thinking of flipping their teams, right? Flipping their clubs, raising the valuation. And once you raise the valuation, uh, even if you don't flip the club, sponsorships, you're in a different conversation in terms of sponsorships, in terms of selling minority pieces of the club. We've seen this happen several times now with MLS clubs where, okay, uh, the valuation goes up based on uh, whatever metric Forbes is using or whoever, whatever analyst is using. And then you'll see 5% of an MLS club sold for what would prorated be uh, 600 million, 700 million, when in fact the club itself was sold for 50 million at one time, right? Or, or 100 million or was bought uh, if it was an expansion team. So uh, that's all very true. So another thing to, to watch in terms of that, uh, in terms of what Mercator is saying, minority shares, minority stakes in clubs. And actually, I think this has gone underreported, but Manchester City, the Abu Dhabi group, the second largest shareholder now in Manchester City is actually um, an American uh, investment company, right? They bought uh, 10 or 15% of the club, or uh, not of Manchester City alone, City Football Group, which of course includes an MLS club. That's what we're seeing more and more, minority shares being sold. I mean, I'm told by my sources uh, Chris, and I, I think we had talked about this, and it happened at the same time as the World Cup, so we never had a conversation about it, uh, Men's World Cup. We never had a conversation about it on this podcast, but my sources have told me both FSG and the Glazers were initially floating the idea of keeping control of Liverpool and uh, Manchester United, respectively, but just looking for minority investors, using an inflated valuation of the club to get minority investors in. Now, as it turns out, in the case of United, the people who were interested, they wanted control. So that's why we're where we are in that process. But I think that's a big part of it, selling minority shares of clubs. And what MLS is doing uh, does raise that value. And, and it's a big business metric that they use. Yeah, but what is that metric? Because they're, they're not, that's part of my issue with this, too, is it's, it's smoke and mirrors. It's like, oh, my gosh, look how great MLS season pass is going, which we're big fans of MLS season pass since day one. We were probably uh, pro MLS season pass before anyone else, just tell, explaining all the reasons why this is a big move, a great move by Major League Soccer. However, it's all smoke and mirrors at this point. It's like, hey, like it's doubled, but without revealing what the number is. Um, I mean, we, nobody knows how many people are actually watching the games other than Apple and select people with MLS who have signed NDAs. So the smoke, smoke and mirrors helps with the valuation because it's like, Look at all these great things we're doing. Isn't this wonderful? Look, you mean, you mean we're doing this, we're doing that without giving any metrics. So the valuation, the perception is, um, is that numbers are through the roof. However, without sharing the numbers, you mean it's it is smoke and mirrors, and, and I'm sure those numbers are good. Uh, but how many people are actually paid subscribers? How many people are actually watching the games? And I, I know you're in the early stages of MLS season pass. It's got a long way to go. But by not providing any metrics at all, other than saying that they were, I think, at a million subscribers or close to it, without having saying how many of those were season ticket holders, how many of those were actually paid, how many of those were free through T-Mobile, 
the metrics are questionable until you actually provide the metrics. But for the valuations, I'm sure it helps the Apple stock price. I'm sure uh, within the business world, I mean, people who don't know any better are probably thinking like, wow, MLS is really doing really well, which I'm, I'm sure they are based on the messy numbers. But what are those numbers? So Dan uh, has a uh, Dan disagrees with Mercator. Uh, Dan says basically Mercator um, said that in this era, those numbers for TV viewing numbers don't mean very much. I disagree. While well, I understand what the, what um, they're saying in regards to engagement, that's a far cry from support. More importantly, it's a far cry from leagues and teams being able to monetize support. Attendance and rights deals are where teams get needed income to continue operating. Viewership is uh, critical to understanding real monetary support for leagues and clubs, not to mention gaining a genuine appreciation for the sport. People that engage and watch Messi see the full effect of the beautiful game. Clever passes, moves that freeze defenders, etc., etc. That's exciting stuff, and not seeing that is missing out when the payoff comes from the build-up. The viewership and attendance are critical for the longevity of the sports in the U.S. And, and we've seen that, too, also from valuations of uh, dot-com companies in, uh, in the past, a lot of tech companies, right? The valuations through the roof, um, or even in the sports industries, valuations are through the roof, and then they're out of business because they couldn't bring the money in to actually pay the bills and, and ended up, you know, from a profit perspective, uh, not doing well, from, from a revenue perspective, not doing well. I'm not saying that's happening to Major League Soccer, um, but this is certainly some good points that Dan raises there. Next up is uh, Women's World Cup. And Adolfo says, I was listening to, the, to your podcast, which is always a pleasure to listen to, uh, to have a point of contention on the points made on the subject of Fox's coverage of Women's World Cup. You keep insisting anyone but them would be a, would do a better job. I'm thinking you were referring to ESPN. What is this love affair with ESPN? Their coverage of soccer is, and I am being generous, is adequate at best. No one on that network, in my humble opinion, stands out. Majority of them are literally a uh, waste of, of airtime. Please do not get me started on Alejandro Moreno, the most annoying guy on the network. Instead of shredding Fox, you should put more praise uh, you should put uh, more praise uh, to Telemundo's coverage of the, the World Cup, uh, which blows away anything any network does, especially with big events. So, Kartik, let me have you talk to uh, the Fox and, and Telemundo point there in regards to what Adolfo said. And, and maybe I'll, I'll cover some of the um, why I, I think that ESPN uh, is worthy of conversation for a potential World Cup or Women's World Cup in the, in the future in terms of coverage. Well, actually, I was thinking of CBS or NBC when it came to the Women's World Cup. I don't think ESPN is in the position to even bid for this stuff. Now, things could be different in a few years, but I, I wrote a column for World Soccer Talk um, earlier in the summer where I, I actually ruled out ESPN uh, for the 2027 Women's World Cup. I think it comes down on the English language site, the Fox, uh, CBS or NBC. And my hope is either CBS or NBC win the rights. Um, but, yeah, I, I uh, on Telemundo, I think they're fantastic. Uh, we are seeing now. I want to highlight what happened on um, uh, on the Thursday night, Friday morning uh, uh, game, uh, the Spain Netherlands match. We saw about 1.9 million viewers on Fox. 
which is a great number, right? It's a great number for any soccer match. It's uh, it's Spain and the Netherlands, so it doesn't involve the United States. Uh, that is a really, uh, really nice number. But we also saw 900,000 uh, between Telemundo and Peacock, right? They released the Peacock numbers, which they sometimes do. Um, that's a hint to Apple, by the way, that you can release streaming numbers uh, if they're favorable. So um, I see, Adolfo, English language audiences. This is my take on it, because I've watched a lot of this Women's World Cup on Telemundo. I watched a lot of the Men's World Cup on Telemundo, even though my Spanish isn't very good. Um I think that there are more and more English language dominant audiences kind of moving towards Telemundo because of that superior coverage you do talk about, but also because Fox is inadequate for a lot of us. So uh, why I think this is significant is normally when we look at the gap in, in television numbers, right, uh, for these international uh, uh, tournaments, unless Mexico is playing, right, that's the exception, um, you will see the Fox number uh, because this is the third, this is like the uh, fourth or fifth tournament between the women's and the men's side where both Telemundo and Fox have had the rights, um, where Fox's number is five or six times higher than the Telemundo number. This time it was only two to one. And like I said, the number was good. The number on Fox was really good, uh, 1.9 million. But uh, Telemundo was around 900,000. So about a third of the audience, which I think much of it was probably an English language dominant audience, chose Telemundo. So I think it's a little bit of both. Uh, we're critical of Fox. There are some nice things Fox does. I will concede that. But Telemundo, you're right, blows them away. And I'm not necessarily saying ESPN is the is is the uh, network to take over the rights. I think CBS has an awesome commitment to the women's game in general with the different leagues they show, NWSL, WSL, Women's Champions, Women's UEFA Champions League, and then NBC with the Telemundo, Telemundo having had the expertise of broadcasting these last couple of World Cups on the women's side. I think they would be good on the English side. If we had Telemundo and NBC both uh, covering the Women's World Cup, there would be more synergies, and I think that'd be really good for the audience. In the history of uh, broadcasting soccer tournaments in the United States, uh, in regards to which has been the best tournament ever produced, I would say it's the 2010 FIFA World Cup, the Men's World Cup uh, from South Africa, and the job there that uh, ESPN did, um, having the studio, I mean, with the backgrounds, the tabletop mountain in Cape Town, South Africa, the issues that they addressed, the news stories that they addressed, to give you an idea in terms of the culture in South Africa, the history in South Africa. And that was before we even got to the football, right? That's before we got to the games and the broadcasters and the analysis and, and everything that they did. In the 2014 FIFA World Cup from Brazil, that was really close. It, I mean, probably not as good as the 2010 but having that studio uh, in Rio, right near the beach, and just having the really intelligent, sit-down, thoughtful analysis where every night we were hooked. We were like, okay, we watched the games during the daytime. And then the nighttime, we tuned in to watch and, and hear these big topics debate, debated and discussed. To me, those two tournaments have been the, uh, two of the best tournaments on uh, in it, for soccer, for a big, big tournament in U.S. history. Now, CBS Sports, I believe, could do that too, Kartik, with, uh, I mean, definitely more investment in their talents, but they're capable of doing that for sure. NBC Sports, possibly, they're a bit light on, on the English language side in terms of uh, the um, 
the number of people that they have. ESPN would have to shake things up big time in order to pull this off. And Jimmy Pitaro, one of the, the top guys at ESPN, I think the CEO of ESPN, has said that definitely if the rights come up for bid for the um, for the 2030 uh, World Cup, that ESPN will be first in line to bid on that. So I mean, ESPN would have to shake things up big time and hire a ton of people, bring them in. And they've lost a lot of people since the 2014 World Cup, too. So when they lost the rights uh, to Fox, some of the key people behind the scenes that you and I, Kartik, know very well that really were responsible uh, to pulling off that 2010 and 2014 amazing coverage of the tournaments are no longer there at ESPN. Actually, interestingly enough, one of them is at NBC Sports behind the scenes working, or well, definitely behind the scenes, but working on um, college, college sports, I believe it is. So, so whether it's ESPN or NBC Sports, anyone but Fox, and, and I think a lot of it with Fox is that, I, to me, and I'm sure there's a lot of other people the same way. I have no desire to watch anything on Fox. So if there's a game on that's a Women's World Cup, I'll watch it on Telemundo, and the coverage is great. And if I happen to be watching a game that's someone changes the channel, it's on Fox, I'll, I'll look for for a alternative broadcast to see if somebody else is actually showing that game in, in Spanish. Fox, to me, is the the bastion of uh, kind of the last resort of, of watching soccer. If, if no one else is showing it, I'll watch it on Fox. That's how and, and bad what, they've been. And, yeah. And Chris, uh, honestly, there are people who have asked me, uh, Kardec, why haven't we seen the kind of critique on world soccer talk on the website, written critique, obviously we have the show, but uh, that you normally have of, of a broadcast of a, uh, of, of a major tournament or of a, of, of a uh, club uh, competition, club league uh, that, uh, of this Women's World Cup. And I've said all the critiques that I am making personally about the Women's World Cup uh, on Fox, I have written in articles previously about the last Women's World Cup, about the last Men's World Cup, about when they covered the Bundesliga. So it's really gotten kind of old and tired, the whole discussion around Fox. We've hoped we made these critiques. We've hoped that they would change um their uh their presentation i think they've made some small improvements like i said there are some things we can compliment but it's just now spinning our wheels even critiquing fox the whole fox discussion to me is kind of a whole entire so that's why you didn't see that piece from me in this uh uh this women's world cup because it's all stuff i've said before and it's critiques i'm kind of throwing out on twitter also like fox missed this fox like the other day, I mean, okay, I have to mention this. They put, showed a graphic promoting the England-Columbia game with Lauren James, who very high profile had been suspended for for two matches already by FIFA at that point for stomping on a, a Nigerian player in the round of 16. Yet the, the production was so poor, they kept her on the graphic, I think two days after she had been suspended. So these are the sorts of things that, I mean, I can catalog this stuff and write an article, but it just gets kind of tiring after a while. Yeah, it, it's not worth it, and, and Fox is not going to change. So it's not even worth our efforts to actually do that because everybody knows how bad they are. And for me, the, the last straw was the 2022 uh, Men's World Cup, and I wrote basically um, almost like a college paper on, on how bad it was. And I, and I tried to be as open as possible. I, I went in with an open mind and spent the entire week actually watching almost every single minute of their coverage and just wrote this whole diatribe about how bad it was and then watched the rest of the tournament on Telemundo 
and for the women's World Cup too, I've, I think I've watched almost everything on women on uh, Telemundo also, uh, or Peacock, and and plan to do so uh, for this weekend for the women's World Cup final too. Uh, Anonymous has a clarification for us, and this is my mistake. But Anonymous says Fox and Telemundo hold the rights to the 2026 2020, uh, 2026 men's World Cup, co- contrary to what you said in the podcast. So you will have to wait a little bit longer until 2030 before your nemesis no longer has the rights. <laughs> uh, Pac-12, uh, NPOB1 says, Kartik is off base on Pac-12. The Apple deal was for $22 million per team. Uh, no mention of production costs passed to the Pac-12. Not tech savvy is a poor mock. ESPN and Fox for Big 12 games gives many linear windows Streaming costs rising. Look at ESPN Plus now. And uh, yeah, all that all that's kind of true. I mean, I, I do concede that. I just think the Pac-12 deal that uh, Apple was going to get that 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 the deal with Apple would have cost. Uh, there would have been the production costs. We talked about this when MLS went to Apple, right? Those are in-house production costs. You then have to manage. So that is a good point. But it was better than the deal that ESPN and ABC offered the Pac-12. Uh, the Pac-12, as a conference, opted to to continue negotiations with Apple and reject ESPN, and that's when all of this happened. Uh, I think it could have worked with Apple. That's my opinion. Uh, yes, the production costs uh, uh, would have been a, an issue, but uh, there used to be a conference solidarity also where uh, you're not saying, oh, well, that conference has a better deal with Fox or with ESPN or whoever, uh, so we're just going to leave our conference. I mean, the Apple deal would have been better for the Pac-12 than the previous deals they've had and the deal ESPN offered them. That that, that really was my point. And then Dave uh, finishes up the list of mailbag with uh, a few different points. He says, fragmentation is a major influence. A generation ago, only a handful of games and channels were available. Today, no sports fan could even scratch the surface of all of their uh, potential viewing options. It's a very fun time to be a sports fan and a very challenging time to be a long-term incumbent. Uh, data suggests around 90% of U.S. households subscribe to a video streaming service. So I think the model is already widely embraced. Uh, data also shows a majority in the U.S. think there are too many streaming services. Perhaps some of the Pac-12 concern is less that people are unwilling to stream and more that casual fans may not seek out and pay for yet another subscription. You mentioned fans consuming highlights rather than uh, games. Short attention spans are ubiquitous, uh, with many people unwilling or unable to follow anything more uh, for more than a few seconds. Highlights are a great way of capturing the most entertaining moments, but often lack nuance and context. I agree, highlights uh, highlight-only viewers are sometimes overly confident in uh, opinions derived from highly skewed data. I think that last point by Dave, too, is really correct, too, where, uh, I mean, Neymar is a perfect example. If you watch the highlights and and, and not watch him play for PSG and and probably now Al-Hilal, you would look at the highlights and go, okay, what a great player. Look at that skill. Look at that dummy. Look at that. You mean, all these different things that he does. And, And yes, arguably, yes, 10 years ago, fantastic player, one of the best players in the world. For the last 10 years, it's been a slow fall down, decline down, down that slope. Uh, but highlights-wise, if you watch that or just see him play in the Champions League and see, uh, I don't know, PSG beat up on uh, 
CSKA uh, Moscow 4 0. You're like, oh, yeah, this is the greatest player in the world. But the reality is, is if you're not watching all the games, uh, you shouldn't be really giving all these strong opinions because you, you're not able to take the whole game into context. You're just picking up bits and pieces. And like you say, Kartik, uh, highlights are always meant to show how great the player is or how great the team is. And oftentimes it's what they don't show, which hides a lot of the, the naked truth. All right, listeners, uh, definitely get in touch with us. We covered a lot of topics in this podcast and uh, hopefully you enjoyed our discussion. Uh, we'd love to read out your comments on air. There's a bunch of different ways you can reach out to us. Uh, voicemail is 561-247-4625. Facebook dot com slash world soccer talk youtube.com slash world soccer talk twitter is at world soccer talk and then uh the website is world click on podcasts and then leave your comment in the most recent episode and then last but not least email is web at world soccer where can listeners find you and also uh, what's going on with uh, beyond the, the 90 uh, these days uh, KKFLA737 on Twitter, and then beyondthe90.substack.com. A uh, lot of coverage of uh, the Women's World Cup. And my opinions on Tyler Adams. I hope he signs with Bournemouth. I think it'll be a good move. I, I like uh, the project uh, right now at Bournemouth, and I actually like their midfield a lot, which is why, uh, in spite of having uh, uh, all those problems last season, they escaped relegation. So Bacartic. you can see my opinions of Tyler Adams over there. Bacartic, Bournemouth's going to get relegated. Bournemouth is not uh, a <laughs> Milan or a Barcelona. Sergio Des plays for Barcelona. Like he's a much better. Player yeah, yeah, we saw Adams. him play in. Uh, yeah, we saw how well he played uh, in those summer friendlies, right, for Barcelona. Um, yes. So well that Xavi uh, uh, never wants to see the guy again. Um, yeah, this is a this is a fundamental thing with American fans. Uh, with newer American fans, I don't think they understand. The best years for our national team were when our guys were playing at mid-level clubs and were leaders on those clubs. The guys at Fulham were leaders on the, on that club. Uh, the guy uh, Tim Howard at uh, at at, at uh, Everton, uh, Steve Chirundolo at Hanover. These guys uh, had leadership roles, and that then translated to the national team. When you're a role player at a team that might be in the Champions League. Uh, look, it, it, there is no American that, that has played a significant part uh, with a couple of exceptions. I know Adams actually scored the winning goal for Leipzig in, in uh, quarterfinal of the Champions League, right? But um, the, generally, over a long period of time, consistency, you want to be at those sorts of clubs. You want to be a leader. I like the way Bournemouth's midfield looks already, and I really like the the idea of Adams being in that uh, midfield. Areola is a great uh, signing as a coach, you know, really vaunted coach. The lazy comparison, and I'm glad you set me up for this, Chris, because I know what you're referring to. The lazy comparison between Leeds last season and Bournemouth this season shows so many of these U.S. men's national team fans who then, you know, get angry when they say, oh, people are stereotyping MLS or they're stereotyping out, uh, uh, American players are making the same stereotypical mistake about English clubs that they know nothing about and a league that they clearly don't watch unless an American is playing. So Bournemouth is not Leeds. I guarantee you that. I, I, I will I will put my name on the line to say that. Yeah, I think uh, it's pretty clear that uh, both of us support the U.S. men's national team and want to see that team do well. But I think in reality, at the end of the day, that we're definitely bigger fans of club football than we are of national team football. 
and national team football, the, that fan base is so different than fans that watch club football, whether it's Serie A, Bundesliga, MLS, you mean whatever it may, whatever league it might be from around the world. And it's two different viewing habits. I mean, USMNT fans could watch a game maybe once a quarter or maybe maybe yeah, they, they're only quarter. watching highlights and and, and right, and the rest right of it, the- they're not watching. Yeah, and to the credit of MLS, I mean, people think we're critical of MLS on uh, this show, but I, I love the MLS fandom. I think the MLS fandom is much more evolved and mature, in my opinion, uh, than the US M&T fandom. And I think there's a separation now. There used to be US fans were MLS fans also. Now I think the MLS fans, they've, they've taken it to another level uh, with their supporters groups and with their fandom and with their understanding of the sport. And I think uh, uh, the, the loudest voices who follow the US M&T are still stuck in uh, a mentality where you know you, 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 you're basically an advocate and you're championing your players and you're not watching club football and you're resorting to lazy stereotypes and you're only watching highlight clips and uh, because in the isolated highlight clip whatever American looks like they're better than Messi then the coach is wrong and the club is wrong and all the English media is wrong and all the Italian media is wrong etc and, and I, I'm just really tired <laughs> yeah. at least it's par for the course Kartik I mean not, not much, much has changed there um, unfortunately I mean, so alright listeners uh, thank you so much for listening we really appreciate it uh, and uh, definitely get in touch with us let us know what comments you have on this podcast we'd love to get your interaction and Kartik another big week in soccer from around the world so many different things to look forward to including the Women's World Cup final should be a great one what are you going to do and what should the listeners do Enjoy your football.